Welcome to the Fit and Free with AIM podcast. I'm your host, Amy Louise. By listening to this podcast, you'll gain clarity and apply now principles in relation to training, nutrition, and mindset, all designed to help you build a strong and lean physique and show up as your best self. If you're a woman who struggles with excessive behaviors when it comes to training and food and think of yourself as a perfectionist, I hear you, I see you, I was you. And I know that you're in exactly the right place to change that narrative and build a body you love inside and out. Let's go. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the podcast. It feels like I haven't done a recording in a little while, I think because I had a few pre-recorded and have smashed them out, but we are back. So if you're new, thank you so much for joining me. I hope you'll love it here. And if you are a returning listener or viewer, as always, thank you so much for sticking around. If you love anything in particular in this episode, definitely make sure you share it on your stories, tag me or send me through a DM. What would be even better is if you could rate the podcast and give it a review. That would be absolutely amazing. Before we dive into today's topic, which is going to be looking at nutrition mindset, and the reason why I wanted to talk about that is I've been getting a lot of questions specifically around nutrition in my DMs recently, but before I get in, I thought I would also just give you guys a little bit of an update of what's happening with me right now and some exciting things that are happening for the Female Physique Hub in general. So if you don't want to listen to a little bit of uh, of that, what's happening with me and some behind the scenes stuff, then definitely feel free to skip ahead. But currently I am a little bit over 10 weeks post my bikini comp and it's really interesting because the recovery phase for me, I think, is still going because my my body weight is still a little bit under where I would usually sit at the end of a fat loss phase, to be fair. So in previous fat loss phases, I typically get to around like the 52 kilo mark and I'm currently about like the 49 and a half kilo. So I've still got like a little bit to go. And I was thinking about the other day, you know, cutoff points with these labels we give things like recovery phases, growth phases, fat loss phases, or whatever. And I think with this recovery phase post comp, what's it about? It's really about recovering someone's health, having them feel heaps better, making sure we've reduced things like food focus, fatigue in the gym, making sure that we're able to progress, but also to put ourselves in a position to build muscle, especially as a non-assisted, so a natural lifter and you know a bikini competitor who has, in my opinion, pretty average genetics. Uh, when I when you come straight out of a show, you're not in a place to build muscle. You know everything's pretty pretty short, and your body needs some time to rest and recover. And around the eight week mark, I noticed. I think I was saying on this podcast a little while ago, I was having issues with food satiation. So, you know, we'd brought my calories right up to maintenance, and then within a week of finishing comp, we went even higher. And even with that, the satiation issues were real and that would be a imbalance with the leptin and ghrelin hormones. And I had a few people like, why Why are you hungry? Like, why aren't you eating at maintenance? I was like, dude, I'm eating in a slight surplus. Like I am gaining body weight. It's just that dieting for a physique competition is just, it's not the same as a fat loss phase. Like, 
like I said, when I finish a fat loss phase, I, I'm usually 52 kilos. But for getting on stage, I was like, you know, 45.7, I think, on show day. Yeah, it's it's a completely different kettle of fish. And if you've not experienced it, if you've not experienced issues with um, leptin and ghrelin and uh, those hormones being out, I'm yeah, it, it's you just won't be able to understand. It's not it's not like physical hunger. It's not stomach rumbling hunger. And that cleared up around eight weeks out. And I, the whole time, to be fair, I've been able to smash in the gym. And I don't know, I think a lot of it is just excitement. I'm in a really good place in the gym right now. But in terms of growth and, you know, muscle mass growth, wasn't in a, an, optimal, an optimal position to build muscle mass. And I think I'll start to see some more progress in the weeks come on. And, you know, whilst we're, whilst in photos, it might look like I have, it's really just filling my muscle cells back out with glycogen and water will give you that like more pumped up look than being flat coming into stage. So we'll see how we go, but I'm feeling pretty damn good now. I think if you pay any attention to my content and please don't, please don't think that I'm saying anyone should be paying much attention to everything I put out. But if you have, you probably have seen an incline as every week goes on post show an incline in my able uh, ability to produce content and put out content and be available. So you can actually kind of see that as like a real time thing of what happens to someone as we, as they reduce body fat stores and reduce their energy input, it takes a significant toll. But anyway, I'm coming out of that phase now. I It's an interesting one. Like, where is that cutoff point? And I was talking before about timeframes. Where is that cutoff point with when am I out of the recovery phase? I really do think that it actually might take me until I get to around that 52 kilo mark. So maybe another, you know, two and a half kilos of weight gain before I'm like truly, truly set and all great um, and in a, a really strong position to push and gain. So... Uh, we're we're still playing it a little bit conservatively, and that's fine. I was going to look at competing again in May next year, but I'm just thinking the time frame is far too short. I actually haven't told my coach this, so you guys are hearing this first. I've that would give me until roughly like November, December ish to grow. So it's like four ish, four and a half or so months. It's not long, man. It's like, what, 16, 18 weeks to go to grow. There's no way in hell I'm going to be able to grow the muscle mass. I need to be competitive. But not only that, it's like making sure I retain it. And just looking back from my stage photos, whilst I was really happy with the changes I've made, I'm also nowhere near winning. And like if you if you cast a critical eye over those stage photos, you'll see like my shoulders are almost non-existent compared to the women who placed in the top um, you know, the top four places there in the opens. My glutes are far better. I made so much progress, but they're, they're not there. And like, again, my back is pretty good, but it did lack some of the, the width and the density of the winners. So I definitely have muscle mass that I need to accrue and be able to hold on to by the end of the deficit. And it's a really interesting one, something I hadn't experienced before because, of course, I hadn't dieted to that extent but the tissue gained last will be the first, well, not the first to go, but it won't, it will, the, the likelihood of it hanging around through like a severe deficit 
just decreases. So the more time I can have to not only accrue muscle mass, but hold on to that density, the better I'm going to look next time we have to get, you know, pretty shredded for a stage. So I am thinking, and the other thing is too, I don't want to prep across winter. So I could, I could do season B next year, which is like September, October, but I really don't want to prep through winter. Just I'm in Melbourne and it's cold. And I mean, it's not as cold as other places in the world, but it's cold and it's dark. And I think with those shorter hours, especially with running my own business and those things, I think I'm wanting to build for sure. I think that I would much rather prep over summer. It's so much better when you have extended daylight hours to get things in like steps and to just be, I guess, awake when your cognitive function is already suffering. And with the lower body fat too, just being extra cold, it's not a good time. So like I said, I haven't told my coach this, but I'm actually thinking of like, I'm going to bust my balls until November, just see where we're at. But I just don't think it's realistic to think that I'm going to be in a really strong position to like win a natural pro card um, with only 16, 18 weeks of growth up my sleeve. And like I said, I'm not, I'm not exactly genetically gifted when it comes to growth. I don't put on really, really fast. I know I know I imagine in some people's eyes, my transformation might be really cool, but that was like six years, (laughs) let alone 18 weeks. So I just need to be, I need to be realistic in terms of the muscle mass I can accrue and hold on to. So that would mean um, May, 2025. And that would give me an amazing time to push my um, body weight right up, maybe do a couple of mini Mini, I don't want to say mini cuts because I feel like it's trending and I feel like it's being bastardized and it really pisses me off. But just a couple of fat loss phases, shorter 12-week fat loss phases or so in between that. And that would help me push my body weight up, you know, maybe to like back to 56s, 57s, um, which will be, you know, like more than 10 kilos above stage weight just to see what my physique looks like and you know, hold strong there, get that density um, and see how we go. So that's just a little bit of an update on me. In terms of what's happening right now, I am going to be advertising, I think, two to three places for the next Glam Body photo shoot. So if you would love to get involved in the Glam Body photo shoot, please DM me. It's going to be, I think, the 18th of November at a gym. This time we're going to do a gym setting in Springvale. So again, around Melbourne. So if you would love to get involved in that, please shoot me through a message um, so I can organize that for you and have you in. There's limited places, of course, because we're just doing a half day shoot with one photographer and it'll be either between six and eight women uh, with a female photographer as well. So if you want more information, you should see it on my Instagram. But if you want to get in and want the details, please message me about that. I also have only one final nutrition only coaching place. And then I'm closing that for the time being until, you know, one spot, uh, if, if someone leaves and there'll be another spot open. But at the moment, there's only one more nutrition only coaching spot available. So if you want to nab that up also, once you listen to this podcast, shoot me through a DM so you can nab that. All right. I think that is it for the moment. So we're going to dive into the episode now. So like I said, I've been getting a few questions recently about nutrition mindset and gosh, I've said this a number of times, but the, the, one of the really good things with social media is now that there's so much 
access to free information, which I think is good. The downside is there are a lot of people pushing agendas that make them money. Like, let's just be real, right? And they, they're selling books, they're selling specific diet plans that they have the specific way. There's heaps of stuff. Like it's not even just about like gut health anymore. There's, you know, fix your hormones and stuff. There's just a whole lot of bullshit. Now, I'm not saying you, you shouldn't address gut issues. And if you've got hormonal imbalances, you shouldn't address them. Absolutely. And food, of course, goes a long way into addressing those things. But I would say like 95% of the time, the stuff that you're seeing on Instagram, if it's attached to specific protocols, it's going to be um, a load of shit. And like, you can't even say unless the person has some kind of um, you know, dietetic qualification because there are plenty of people with absolutely obscene ideas uh, that are that are using their qualifications to sell stuff that is just not supported by the evidence. Of course, they've got some evidence to support their beliefs, but when you actually look into the studies, they're with you know groups of of people where they may not be what they're they're saying they are, or it could be studies in rats or whatever. Um, I'm just thinking of the artificial artificial sweetener studies where the dosages given would like kill you first <laughs> before any carcinogenic um, effects took place. So you just got to just be really careful with the content that you're viewing online. And just because they have you know, MD next to their name doesn't even make them credible, which is really unfortunate, but it is the way things are. So I think just with this onslaught of information, this onslaught of even like, you know, what I eat in a day where the people start off by showing you their abs and then they're showing you what they eat. People are like, what the fuck? I don't know what to eat. I don't know how to eat. And, you know, I don't know how to eat for my goals and I don't know how to manage work and stress and all of those things. So we're going to go into that today. I want to title this episode Evolving Your Food Mindset and Finding Food Freedom because this is definitely the place I've been now so I can, number one, speak from complete personal experience. The other thing is it's very, very balanced. Do I use that word? It's just very basic, simple. Or it's not overcomplicated. There's no like specific secret methodology to the way I consume food. It's It's just, honestly, it's common sense. And I think as much as we can seek to simplify our own food habits, you're going to be on the right track. Okay, so just to talk you through a little bit about where my food mindset started, I was not overweight as a kid. I was healthy weight, absolutely, because of some body image issues that I was having. I've never been diagnosed with an eating disorder, but I definitely engaged in disordered eating behaviors. So lots of restriction and then overeating. I, again, never to the point of binge eating. I've never had binge eating issues, but I would say overeating for sure. And just food labeling was the biggest one for me. So good and bad, can't eat this, can't eat that. And just creating a whole lot of useless rules like don't eat it after six and because I thought eating after six would make me gain weight. So it was really lots of lots of restriction for me, disordered eating, but no eating disorder. And then I was really able to turn that all around. The catalyst for me in turning that around was a six-month period in, in 2017 where I was basically eating like I was the heaviest I ever was, but I was eating at maintenance or in a surplus, and that just really changed my mind. I just realized like the world doesn't collapse when you're 
when you're quote unquote heavy and like nothing happens, man. Everything keeps, the world keeps spinning and you can be a great person and be your heaviest and you can be really happy and at your heaviest. You can be really nourished and healthy and happy at your heaviest weight. And it just solidified so many different things in my mind that like my weight doesn't dictate my self-worth and I can eat foods. And you know what? There was also a point where I realized like I can eat these foods and I can have the foods I love. And up to a certain point, I'm not going to be gaining any more weight anyway, because I'm going to be moving around just naturally. I'm going to be satiated. I'm going to be full. And then all the labels started to crumble. I was like, well, I can eat cake every day. I can have chocolate every day. I can eat out multiple times a week. It just wasn't a big deal anymore. And I was speaking to one of my clients this week who unfortunately has had uh, anorexia in the past and she is working with a dietitian concurrently and has done heaps of work and I have not helped her specifically with the the past eating disorder that is well in the past for her. Um, but she was just talking about her experiences and how she's evolved even further in the last few months of working together as well. And just her at the moment, she's in a growth phase and just being super well satiated. She's like, you know, she had some issues with binging as well previously on certain foods that she deemed forbidden foods. But now just being able to eat some of those foods for sure. She's actually, she is eating some of those foods daily. There are other foods that she doesn't really care to eat. But she said now it's not like a trigger, like, oh my God, I want to eat those foods anymore. She's just actually full and doesn't really care for extra things, but it's just not a big deal anymore. And the amount of mental real estate that is spent thinking about food has decreased in a lot for her. And that was exactly what I found as well. Just spend less time thinking about food. And especially in these phases where I'm pushing calories up, it's like you kind of have to remember to eat and eat enough sometimes and that's something that I never thought that that would be me um and yeah it's just really really interesting so I want to talk about like how do we evolve our food mindset now I'm understanding that I have no idea who is listening to this podcast in terms of I could have people who have an amazing relationship with food and want to lose fat an amazing relationship with food and want to gain muscle Uh, people could be listening who have disordered eating behaviors who have eating disorders who have poor nutritional literacy or have amazing nutritional literacy. So please understand that me doing this podcast, it's it's very much a bit of a one-way street without having any dialogue coming back at me so I can answer specific things on specific topics. But I do just want to speak fairly generally, but still be able to help you with some solutions. Take what's not applicable to you, okay? Please don't Please don't take on things that don't apply. And yeah, hopefully there are some nuggets in here that really help you. So when I was looking at the common obstacles that are coming up when it comes to nutrition behaviors, and again, I'm not talking about eating disorders. I'm not qualified to help with eating disorders, but just in general with nutrition habits and behaviors, I noticed a, I've got four common obstacles and this is not an exhaustive list, but one of them is identities and beliefs. Then we have poor nutritional literacy. Uh, a third one is stress. And the fourth one is just your autopilot behaviors, which can also include things like your environment. So I'm just going to go through each of these four obstacles. I think are probably the most common ones that I see. And then the solutions are actually the same for each of them. So I'll talk about each of the obstacles first and then where we can go in terms of looking for solutions. Okay. So the first obstacle is around your, your identity. So this is 
who you see yourself as being, what you believe is possible for you, how you believe the world works, what your values are, uh, what your belief, current beliefs are around food, what your current beliefs are around body image would also be connected to this, cultural beliefs. And for some people, there are going to be blocks with, I've never achieved my physical performance goal before, so I don't really believe it's possible. And this is where we might see people not actually committing and following through when things get tough because the underlying belief isn't even really open to the possibility of success. It's pretty crazy. I've seen this play out in action and it's like, whoa, this person can't see what they're doing right now. And that's like, we all have blind spots with this, these identity, um, these identity points because your, your belief is that it, this is a fact or this is true. And if we don't have that gateway open up to a different possibility, we're not going to act in alignment with the goal that we're trying to achieve. We're going to act in alignment with our current identity. So it's like, if I don't believe this is possible, I'm not even going to be able to see all of the options available for available to me. I'm not going, even going to be able to ask questions that open up the possibility of these options. So if you do often find yourself setting goals that do require some kind of change to your nutrition protocols. Again, this can be gaining weight, losing weight, performance, who knows, whatever, health, um, regaining menstrual cycle. There are so many different things this could relate to. Depending on where you're at with your identity and your beliefs, if you find that you're setting goals, but then you're unable to follow through and it's a pattern, there's probably going to be some like identity or belief thing at the bottom of this. And again, I'm not a psychologist. Some of them will be pretty superficial that you can fix yourself. It's just you haven't taken the time to reflect and think. And some of them will be like deeper that you need to do some internal work, maybe with a professional. Okay. But yeah, if you've been, if you can see a pattern in committing, it's sorry, in setting goals and failing to see them through, then you can bet there's probably some kind of identity or belief obstacle at the bottom of that. The next one is poor nutritional literacy or thinking that you have nutritional literacy when you don't. And I want to speak to, I actually was talking to someone last week and they said, yeah, you know, I, I know a lot about food and everything. And then they just began to list a whole lot of pseudoscience at me. Um, and I was like, holy fuck, like this person does think that they understand food, but then they're just listing off a whole lot of things that they can't eat for fat loss, you know, things like dairy. Um, and they were even talking about like eggs and, you know, any processed foods. And it's like, well, no, <laughs> if we're in a calorie deficit, we're going to be able to lose body fat. You know, of course, that's not the only thing that matters. We do need to worry about your nutrient, um, the quality of the nutrients and your micronutrient intake and your health and your hormones and your stress, of course. But look, if you put someone in a deficit for long enough, they're going to lose fat. And I just want to, this is always a, a little bit, what's the word? Not uncomfortable, uncom uncomfortable to say, but if you have a look at the Minnesota starvation diet, uh, starvation study, you know, no matter what, 
or even again this is awful but thinking about concentration camps these people are under extreme amounts of stress and there's no micronutrients coming in but you feed someone very little for long enough you're going to lose body fat this starvation mode doesn't exist your metabolism will adapt and slow down for sure to help try and keep you alive but if you're deserted if you're stranded on a deserted island with hardly any food you're not going to gain body fat you're going to wither away and die okay so anyway uh yeah unfortunately it's a bit of a case of you don't know what you don't know and again sometimes people get caught up in it's almost coming back to the first one too identity like if i subscribe to a particular brand name diet carnivore diet paleo diet keto diet um if i have these beliefs around i don't know whatever whatever you want it to be you can't eat these you know you can't eat dairy you can't eat these certain foods um, or else you're going to gain fat because some influencer tells you you could think that your nutritional literacy is amazing because you're following this guru when in actual fact you don't actually appreciate just the bare the the basics of energy balance (laughs) right so this is a little bit of a case if you don't know what you don't know and I think the more complicated you think dieting is, the more rules that you think you need to follow, I think the further you are away from the truth. The next one, the third one was stress. So I think the, the thing with stress is people's inability to, there's two parts to this. I think it's when we're under a significant amount of stress, the bandwidth we have to make decisions and find solutions, but but also sit with discomfort just tanks so it's like if you're you're going through a really stressful period of time and you're trying to engage in a fat loss phase and that involves you sitting with hunger it just makes it all all that more likely that you're going to say all of these feelings are too overwhelming so i'm going to have some food but the same thing even goes with the growth phase right if you're having to sort of like if you if you're really really keen about growing muscle mass and you're going through a really stressful situation and you've got to eat some, you know, extra chicken and rice, which might be pretty boring or, you know, some extra cereal or something. You're just like, oh, fuck, I don't want to feel like I'm full right now. Like I can't, can't deal with that. Or, you know, some people's stress response is they stop eating. Okay, so it can go both ways with the stress, but it's just like that having that bandwidth to make those decisions and sit through the discomfort of consuming food. Uh, or even types of food I think can get in people's way but then also with stress potentially using food to regulate and soothe our emotions so um, it's a I would say it's a really common mechanism to help ourselves self self soothe and again hey sometimes that can save your life right using food to emotion to soothe yourself emotionally might be the thing that actually saves your life so I don't want to um again there's please there's no shame or judgment when I'm going through these obstacles Uh, I just want to point out what I'm seeing what I see across the board and just so we can develop that awareness around it but yeah it's like it's a it's a mechanism that keeps us here keeps us alive and keeps us safe but it may not it may not be in alignment with your performance or physique goals okay and the last one was literally just what are you doing on autopilot? What has your family always done? Even culturally, what do, you, what do you do? And maybe that doesn't fit with your goals, but it's like it's so autopilot and ingrained for you. You just you just do it without thinking. 
Um, an example <laughs> that actually happened very circumstantially for me with this is my Uber Eats habit that it literally came on during lockdown. I'd never had a takeaway th- habit before like that, but it came on with lockdown and just wanting to stay home, right? And then it continued for ages. So that was just a contextual habit that wasn't aligning with my goals. But I've also got here, this could also include your environment. So maybe there's, you've moved house and there is like a a McDonald's around the corner from your home. And so you're finding yourself doing that literally just because of like geography um, and environmental, or it could be relational. So maybe you're, you're, you're dating someone or your, your partner, um, you know, wife, husband, whatever, has certain eating habits and you didn't have those habits until you met them. And then now you've taken on their habits as well. It could be kids, your kids eating habits and and how they impact your own food habits, or it could be friends, how you socialize with your friends and those impacts that they have on your food habits, right? So all of these things can provide obstacles to us eating in alignment with our goals. That's not an exhaustive list. I think they're the four that I see most. I'm just going to go over them again. In terms of the common obstacles, and if you were to have a look at, just say you're not quite happy with your nutrition, have a look at your identity and beliefs. What what are my stories around food? What are my food rules? What do I believe is possible for me in terms of my goals? When I'm saying I'm stuck or I'm in a pattern of behavior, what is that? And what what am I telling myself about that? Is there any shame? Is there any guilt? How can you start to unpack that? Again, if you need a professional to seek that support. The second was was your level of nutritional literacy. And sometimes, unfortunately, we might think we have a high degree of nutritional literacy when we don't. And just getting caught up in labeled diets, again, actually probably is more of an indication you have poor nutritional literacy than high nutritional literacy. The only... The only Caveat to that, of course, is if you're specifically like celiac and you need to follow a diet that specifically um, supports your um, digestive needs and your health with celiac. That's a different thing. Like I'm not talking medical conditions. I'm talking about more like brand name diets. Like I'm going carnivore. I'm doing, um, I don't know, clean eating or whatever it is. Yeah. The third one is stress. So just thinking about your reactions to stress and how does your eating habits, uh, how do you, how does stress impact your eating habits? And the fourth one is your habitual behaviors that might be related to your relationships or your environment. So now we've gone through that, it might have got you thinking a little bit about your own mindset related to food and what the common stories are, the common patterns that you're engaging in. And if there's always the same thing that trips you up, what is that, right? So I'm just going to go now into the solution. So where do we go from here? So first of all, of course, is we have to have an, an awareness that something's impacting us and we have to understand that there is, I guess, a problem there. So for example, the right problem too, we have to solve for the right problem. So I'll just give you an example. Way back before I was a qualified personal trainer and knew anything about nutrition as well, I thought my problem was willpower. I didn't understand the problem for me was that I was choosing unrealistic diets and I was also had a problem with body image. So my two problems were my body image wasn't um, where it needed to be to support my overall physical and mental health. And my nutrition, 
my nutritional knowledge was so poor, I was I was leaning towards fad dieting. So those were the two problems I had. Okay, now to to solve them, I was thinking it was a willpower problem. So that I needed to address my willpower, it was because I wasn't disciplined enough. When in actual fact, it was poor nutritional literacy and poor self worth. So they're actually the problems I needed to solve for. Yeah. So again, just have a think about: Have you, you know, what do you believe your problems are? How have you tried to solve them? Do you think there is, if you were to brainstorm, could there be a different problem to solve? You know, or do you need to speak to someone else to figure that out? So the next one is once we've figured out, okay, I actually have this problem and I need to solve it. It's going, are we ready, willing, and able to make a change? And this, I don't know, man, this really depends on what you've come up with there. And it's a matter for you to figure those things out. I think always be honest with yourself on what your what steps you're ready to take and I think that that can help relieve a lot of guilt and shame if we just take ownership over are we ready willing and able because we may not be and that's okay too you know we need to go through our own time frames with these things so first solution is just becoming aware of what our common obstacle is and then thinking outside the box in terms of solutions. And if your chosen solution has failed you multiple times, you might be trying to solve the wrong problem. So that might give you an indication you need to solve for a different problem. Uh, The second one, are you ready, willing, and able to change or just taking ownership over that and meeting yourself where you're at? And the third one is, do you need professional assistance to support you in making this change? Okay. Or even just any assistance, because it could be just you want to team up with a friend to help you and to talk through your, you know, say issues, but even, you know, less making it a bit more mild than that. Do you just need some support? Do you need accountability from a PT? Do you need a fun goal to work towards, to strive for that, you know, performance or, you know, photo shoot, something like that? Or do you need actually psychological support, whether that's a counselor, whether that's a psychologist specializing in eating disorders, whether it's a dietitian even, you know, what sort of help do we need to move forward? Maybe you don't need any help. Maybe you just need to um, set out some time and maybe you need help with, you know, setting better boundaries and not people pleasing. Like this is, it really, really depends on what's specific to you. And this is where, you know, I was saying at the start of the podcast, I'm going to stay general only because I've got no one talking back at me asking questions and I don't have your set of specific circumstances in front of me. So I do want to try and keep this general. So I'm hoping that in terms of your food mindset, that this has helped helped you think about some potential obstacles that you might be facing. And then of course, in terms of solutions, give you the, the I guess, pathway to start thinking about some solutions. In terms of my mindset now, I was saying at the start too that it, like it's very simple, very basic. So when I'm thinking about food, I have some beliefs. I don't believe in good or bad foods. I believe that food is there for both fuel and enjoyment and pleasure. Uh, both of those things are all good. I understand that my food intake along with, of course, my, my, my health and my training will impact my overall physique. And at the same time, I've been able to separate that from my self-worth. 
and my food habits have nothing to do with my self-worth or value as a human. They're just completely separate things. Uh, in terms of food as well, I keep things very, very simple. So I look at it as, you know, overall roughly, you know, the calories I need to support myself. And I just want to give you an example of that too, right? So my coach has set my calories and I'm just going to use numbers. You know, if you don't like numbers, then you can close your ears or whatever. But my, my coach has set my calories at 1800 right now. I'm eating more than that. I'm eating like 19 and a half, 2000. I'm recording it all, giving him that data so he knows. This is just in the last um, week and a half I've started eating a little bit more than that because I need it. You know, I need it. Um, there, I'm not in a fatless phase at the moment, so there's no need for me to under eat. If I feel like I need more, I just eat more, you know? Uh, so when I say I, I roughly know my caloric intake, it's also understanding that if I need more food, I'm going to eat more food, right? So there's that. But I also know to support my overall physique and performance goals, there's a certain amount of protein I need to hit. So roughly I'm hitting that as well. I also know to support my health. Um, and again, my physique goals, I need to get my, you know, two serves of fruit, five serves of veg in per day. So I getting that in. I know that for me, I need to enjoy my meals to an extent. So make sure that I eat foods that I really like. Um, that's going to help me sustainably eat all the food I need to eat too. And yeah, like I said, I just make sure that the food rules I have are more so additive rather than restrictive. So any food rules I have, it's like, do my best to get my protein in, do my best to get my fruit and veg in. Um, and if I need to eat more food, I eat more food. That's fine. Um, and in terms of takeaways and meals out, I think about uh, sometimes I'll lean into more so enjoyment. Um, and I understand that here and there I'll eat foods that won't exactly help me with my performance goals so I'll, I'll just give you an example the other day I had like cheeseburger fries from Macca's and it's such a low satiating food and it's not really going to help me too much in terms of feeling great and you know sleeping well and feeling energized in the morning it's not really going to do that but I, I just wanted that meal so I ate it that is fairly rare now, like in this year, um, but I did want it. So I had it knowing that it's probably not going to support my goals, but whatever. Whereas there are other times where I go out to eat and I, I'll think of like, how's this going to sit with my digestion? How's this going to make me feel immediately? How's this going to make me feel the next day? And I might make choices in line with, with that. So I might, if like, if I have like a Mexican, I might get extra chicken, you know, to help me hit my protein targets. Um, and, or I might get certain, I might get extra vegetables with certain things because I want it to help me hit my micros. Does that make sense? So as you can see, it's like very, very basic, very simple. I would say very reasonable, um, relationship to food. There's no emotional charge around food anymore. And I think that was one of the, the biggest things that changed in my life from that 2017 period. I stopped like feeling it was really because I stopped tying my self-worth to my physique. And when you can separate those two, um, and we know food, again, like I said, along with a bunch of other things, does have an impact on our body composition. Um, but when you can really separate this from like, it has nothing to do with whether I'm a good or a bad person. Um, it just, yeah, it just has this real world, real world impact on how I feel, my health and my physique. Yes. And how I perform. Um, yeah, I think we get into a much less emotionally charged space where we don't need to identify, you know, we don't need to identify with the way we eat anymore. You know, we, we don't think of ourselves as a better person because we eat 
quote unquote clean, or we don't think we're part of some elite group because we're joining the carnivore people or whatever. (laughs) Um, Does that make sense? I hope that makes sense. I wish I had people being able to engage with me back, but that's one of the things with podcasts I don't. So uh, that's where I wanted to finish it, the podcast today. And I'm really hoping that this allows you that space and the time to reflect on your own food mindset and food freedom. If this is something you do want some support with and you feel like my coaching services would be helpful with that and you you like the way that I think and the way that I approach food and you'd like a little bit more of that in your life, like I said at the start of the podcast, I do have one space left for nutrition-only coaching. Or if you want both, if you want help with your training programming and nutrition as well, definitely shoot me through a DM too because I have um, more spaces available for both nutrition and training programming to help you reach your physique and or performance goals. So with that being said, guys, thank you so much for tuning in and I'll be back next week.